Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Today, we're going to be talking all about ADHD and executive functioning, and I bet you're already thinking about which students this episode can benefit for. So today I have Mike McLeod here talking all about this awesome topic. So Mike, introduce yourself. Who are you and how did you become the SLP that is into all this stuff? Yeah, so it is a, a pleasure to be here on Coffee Talk. <laughs> I, love, I love how we say coffee, like true Long Islanders, you and I. <laughs> yeah, so my name is Mike McLeod. I am a speech and language pathologist here in Philadelphia. I am an ADHD executive function specialist. I have a private practice here called Grown Out Therapy in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I created a language to treat ADHD, a model to treat ADHD and executive functioning based in language, the internal language model. So I really use my training as a speech and language pathologist to take a language-based approach to executive functioning because everything is so interrelated and everything revolves around language. And I'm a big advocate for SLPs treating executive functioning and it being part of our scope of practice. How do you become interested in this topic and make this your specialty? Sure. So I am an individual who does have ADHD myself. So it's always been something I've been very passionate about. I've done a lot of life coaching when I was in grad school, career coaching. So I was always into all of these life skills sorts of things. But throughout my time as a speech pathologist, I began working with a group called the Focus Foundation. And this is a group that works with children that have chromosomal disorders, whether it's an extra X chromosome or 
uh, 47XXXY or 49XXXY. And I was working with an apraxia specialist at the time. And all of these boys, or the majority of these boys, present with apraxia of speech. The boys with 49XXXXY and the extra chromosomes. And they also presented with executive dysfunction and a lot of external behaviors. So I was able to work in this group of incredible doctors, incredible individuals that work at children's hospitals down in Maryland and D.C. And I was able to really get firsthand knowledge on executive functioning and adolescent development and brain development. And I became the executive functioning specialist for this group. And we traveled internationally, working with groups around the world for these lesser known disorders, these chromosomal disorders. And from there, I developed my internal language model and it has expanded in in Philadelphia. That's awesome. So for those listening who might not be familiar with it, what is executive functioning and how is it related to us as SLPs? Sure. So I would say that pretty much the best way to describe executive functioning would be to describe it as the air traffic controller of the brain. So it's the prefrontal cortex, the area right behind your forehead, which is the last part of the brain to develop. The brain grows from back to front. It really matures around 24, 25, 26 years old. Executive functioning is really true life skills, true independent skills. When it comes to ADHD, in the past, we really looked at it in terms of its external symptoms. And it was looked at as more of a behavioral disorder or more of a sensory-based disorder, which is why we have the term attention deficit. And this is why we have the term of hyperactive and inattentive. There's hyperactive type and inattentive type and combined type. And it was really based on what we saw externally and what the behaviors were. Kids who couldn't sit still, kids who couldn't focus. And then now, since you know rates have really skyrocketed and it's becoming more known about executive functioning and the importance of executive functioning, we really know what's truly happening internally instead of what we see externally. So it's really not an attention deficit. It's individuals that actually have an abundance of attention and they respond to stimuli and they can't ignore stimuli. So they have an abundance of attention. And it's not about hyperactivity. It's about self-regulation and the ability to regulate your emotions, your language, your body in various environments towards various stimuli, self-motivation towards non-preferred tasks. That's a big one that parents always go, oh yeah, that's a, that's Don't my work. son. That's my son. Study. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so that's a big part of executive functioning. And then self-evaluation and the ability to learn from past experiences. So executive functioning really is the ability to self-regulate, self-motivate, self-evaluate, and to be productive in your day-to-day, to be age-appropriately independent in your day-to-day and not be reliant as parents or adults to act as your frontal lobe. So if you have strong executive functioning, you can create external symptoms of organization. So a lot of people think of executive functioning as notebooks and binders and agendas and kids who are externally organized, and that comes from the ability to be self-regulated and self-motivated towards these non-preferred tasks. Also time management and the ability to sense time, feel time, know when things are due and be aware of time as it's passing. That's also an executive function skill. And that comes from the ability to self-regulate, self-motivate, self-evaluate 
and really sense those times. So ADHD is a disorder of executive functioning. And of course, there are individuals that have executive functioning delays or executive dysfunction. Individuals with autism most likely have executive dysfunction and you can have executive functioning without ADHD. So executive functioning is true independent life skills, the skills needed to get through your day today, to have resilience, to deal with fallbacks, to plan for the future, to re-image the relevant past and learn from past experiences. So it's the true life skills, and it's really based in the skills of internal language. So internal language, the way I describe it with my students and my families, it's two core executive function skills that are separate, but work together in harmony. So the first part of internal language is nonverbal working memory, also known as the visual imagery system of the brain. So this is the ability to hold an image in mind and manipulate it and plan, prioritize, problem solve, re-image the relevant past, re-experience something that happened in the past, and create mental movies in the present moment that help us make healthy and positive choices in the moment because we're able to use the, what Dr. Russell Barkley, who's the worldwide leader on ADHD, he describes it as the DVD player of the brain or the movie theater of the brain. You know, this is really such a crucial human skill of what truly separates us from human beings from animals is our ability to create mental movies and re-experience things. And with nonverbal working memory, we can re-experience things. We can rehear events, retaste. You can think of a dinner you had last week and retaste it and hear the waiter or rehear the sounds and retaste the food. It's really such a unique skill that allows you to resense experiences that allow you to be more wise in the present moment and towards future thinking. And then there's verbal working memory, which is the self-directed talk and self-talk system. So this is the ability to have an internal dialogue and the ability to have a conversation with your brain. And this is something that's really lacking in individuals with ADHD and executive functioning is they really don't talk to themselves. And when they do, it tends to be about YouTube videos or games or their preferred tasks. So being able to wake up in the morning and before you even get out of bed to plan your day and think, okay, if I brush my teeth at this time, if I take a shower at this time and I eat breakfast here, I should be able to get out the door by eight and then I could, you know, it takes a half hour to get to work. I should be at work by 830. You know, that's a, a conversation we can have internally in about 10, 15 seconds. But that's really, really hard for kids with ADHD or executive dysfunction, which is what causes them to be stuck in the now. So Sarah Ward, who is another amazing speech and language pathologist who specializes in executive functioning, she says that the kids are stuck in the now. They're stuck in the now. They're now versus not now. And that's a really profound statement. These kids are really stuck in the present moment and they can't reimagine the relevant past. They can't forecast themselves into the future and they can't plan because of the lack of self-directed talk. So internal language is mental movies and self-talk and the brain coach, and the, the ability to have an internal dialogue. So strengthening those two skills of visual imagery and self-talk helps to improve self-regulation skills, self-motivation, self-evaluation, and overall independence. Love it. I love it how you went. It was so incredibly thorough. 
where originally when you started talking, I'm like, okay, I'm still not understanding the language piece. But when you definitely mentioned that self-talk, I'm like, ding, 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 ding. I see it right there, how we can really truly have an impact in this whole puzzle piece. Because a lot of these things, yes, special educators can accomplish some of these things, maybe counseling. And that's where it really is a team approach. Can you talk a little bit about working with other professionals to help get these children really truly improving on their executive functioning skills? Yes, absolutely. So obviously now most pediatricians, when a child gets diagnosed with ADHD, a lot of them will be sent to a psychologist for maybe cognitive behavioral training or talk training or DBT, dialectal behavioral therapy. So it's still really not seen as something that's in the SLP's wheelhouse. But over time, I really think it's really going to get there as we learn more about the ADHD executive functioning language connection. So within my practice, I am always working with psychologists, pediatricians, doctors, you know, the ones that are really doing the research and the ones that are doing the majority of these evaluations. You have to be a licensed physician to diagnose someone with ADHD. So I'm always chatting with the individuals who are doing the diagnosing and who are doing a lot of these tests. So ADHD and executive functioning are very, very, very hard to test, which is part of the reason why these kids fall through the cracks. So just like I was talking about before with visual imagery and self-talk, those things really can't be measured. It's basically being able to measure your imagination, like how strong is your imagination? How strong can you come up with things in your head? How strong can you talk to yourself? You know, that's why the majority of executive function tests are checklists filled out by parents and teachers, like the brief, the behavior reading inventory of executive functioning. You have the self-checklist, the McCloskey set scales. Um, it's really just observational checklists. And you can look through their writing, look at their reading comprehension, because reading and writing are closely correlated. So I work with a lot of literacy specialists. I work with a lot of occupational therapists, because a lot of students with executive dysfunction still get sent to occupational therapy because the self-regulation problems are being labeled as sensory problems. So that's a bit of a controversial topic, but you know, sometimes it is, you know, it can't be another, another day, another topic. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, 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 it certainly can be, especially with the younger kids could benefit from some of the sensory integration therapy. I'm a big fan of sensory integration therapy, but it's not going to treat the core deficit of internal language and visual imagery and self-talk. So where I'm at in Philadelphia, I'm literally in a building where psychologists are on the same floor as me down the hall. And there's just there's professionals all throughout the town that I work in. So I'm always collaborating with schools and school staff and OTs, PTs, psychologists, psychiatrists, because a lot of my kids are also on medication. So collaboration is always key. And being able to work in a medical setting really allows for me to have the time to do that. Awesome. So say someone senses they use some of these checklists and they determine, okay, I have this student in front of me that clearly has a diagnosis of ADHD and I'm sensing some executive functioning difficulties. Now where to begin with working with this student? Yes. So the number one thing you're going to want to do is take a very, very in-depth case history. So executive functioning is true life skills and it's really going to vary based on environment. So the way I describe it to my parents is you can think about home executive functioning. So a lot of kids with weak executive functioning tend to have very low self-regulation skills at home. They tend to really go after the parents, most, no most notably the moms. 
So a lot of young boys, there's way more boys with ADHD than girls with ADHD. That's just right now where the diagnoses rates are. A lot of them really have negative relationships with their moms and go after them behaviorally. Uh, and there's a lot of back and forth and issues there. So a lot of parent coaching is key with executive function therapy. So you want to look at home executive functioning and self-regulation in the home. You also want to find out how many non-screen experiences a, a kid has per day. So this is something that me and Carrie Ebert talk about a lot in our weekly chapter chats, which is our Instagram lives at 8 p.m. Eastern on Instagram live. So basically what we do is we read a book. So we're doing it. It's an online book club. And every Monday night we review one chapter via Instagram live with everyone who read the chapter as well joins us and we talk about it. And this is something that always comes up is how screens are taking over kids' lives. And one way to find out about executive functioning in the home is how many non-screen experiences does this child have in the home? And a lot of kids with executive dysfunction create these very, very small comfort zones. They really don't want to try new things because of the learning curve. So ADHD really is a disorder of instant gratification. And executive dysfunction is a disorder of instant gratification. These kids, they know what they want and they want it right away. They don't want a waiting time. You know, because of their issues of time management and being able to sense time and feel time, they want what they want in the moment. So waiting is very, very hard for them. And so is the learning curve towards trying a new sport or meeting new people or joining an extracurricular activity or joining Boy Scouts or joining the YMCA. These are all new and scary things for them. And they tend to find one or two things they're good at and they stick to it. So it's very important to figure out what their comfort zone is. And this is something that a speech pathologist should do when they first meet the student. Like the question you asked is when you're first meeting a student, find out what is their comfort zone? What are they doing in their day to day? Are they going home and instantly watching hours of YouTube? Are they instantly playing Minecraft and Fortnite for hours and hours? You need to find out what's happening so that we can ensure that this student starts having varied experiences. So exposing the child to new experiences and trying new things really helps to improve their self-regulation skills and their mental flexibility, which improves their executive functioning. So you want to take an in-depth case history to learn what's happening in the home. And then there's also academic executive functioning, which is more of the self-motivation, which is you want to see how does this student approach non-preferred academic tasks. So you want to see, does this student have a 15, miss, 15 things on their missing assignment list? Are they doing really poorly on reading and writing? You really want to take an in-depth look at what's happening at school. A lot of kids with ADHD have above average IQs. And they do very well in school. And also some of them have huge IEPs and huge 504s where they're receiving massive prompts and scaffolds to get through their day. So you have to work with the school to make sure those prompts and scaffolds fade so the student can be more independent because eventually that IEP is going to go away. So you want to figure that out. So you have home executive functioning, academic executive functioning, and also social executive functioning. So this is a big piece. Because a lot of kids, as SLPs, we tend to throw all of our kids with social problems or social difficulties into these social groups. But a lot of them, it's really executive functioning. It's not social, it's executive functioning. So think about it. If you have difficulty 
creating mental movies and you have difficulty talking to yourself, you have difficulty, uh, you know, understanding what, you know, the process of thought. So if you have difficulty understanding your own mind, you're going to have difficulty understanding someone else's mind. So perspective taking skills is really, really difficult for kids with executive dysfunction, really hard for them to think about others thinking, think about how my actions, my words make someone else feel. And also another issue is something called situational awareness, or what I refer to as being able to read the room. So the ability to sort of stand back when you enter a new environment, stand back and observe what everybody else is doing and see what their body looks like, their language looks like, their behavior looks like, and make my body, my language, my choices look like everybody else so I can assimilate beautifully into the environment. And that's really hard. And this is why kids with ADHD and and executive dysfunction stand out in social experiences. So you really want to see what areas are really hurting this child the most, home, academic, or social, or is it all three? So you really want to take an in-depth case history, interview the parents, interview teachers, interview camp counselors, whoever's around this student the most, and really see what's happening in those three different realms of executive functioning and really create goals for all three areas. Love it. Love it. That's so thorough. And and I just think this, I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, I'm thinking of my (laughs) students. I'm like, I know exactly which ones are, you know, really struggling. They they are great in math because they can spew out all those facts, but when they're expected to write an essay, they shut down, they don't want to do it. It's not a preferred task. Yes. Writing, writing is the number one academic skill that requires executive functioning. And you think about it, you have to have a mental movie of what you're going to write first. You basically have to organize the story in your head first and then transfer it all the way from your brain down to your hand, down to your pen and write it in a pretty arduous process. It takes a while to write an essay, especially now with kids with their instant gratification. So writing is a huge proponent of executive functioning, probably the number one academic skill for EF. So that's one of the most common questions I ask parents is, you know, how do they do with writing tasks and reading tasks? Because that's a major source of stress for these students. Especially when they're asked to write about something they don't care about. If you ask them to write about Fortnite, they can probably write it like up the way. It might be an organ. I read a novel. <laughs> but yeah. but, but not, not anything like that. So, so, so true. I can totally see so many. I bet everyone listening is going, uh-huh, I know exactly which students. I know exactly <laughs> yeah. which students. Can you share like an aha moment of a moment when you were working with a student and you had that breakthrough? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so I work with a lot of high school and college age students. So I, I have a lot of parents that reach out to me when, you know, their student went through high school and got great grades, kind of coasted through with big IEPs, big 504s. And then the first semester of college comes around and there's no IEPs, there's no no 504s, and the kid really flounders because they don't really know how to be independent of college. So I work with a lot of high school students. And there was one student I work with who was doing really, really well in school because of a massive IEP, a massive 504. And I worked with the parents to teach them about prompt dependence with executive functioning. This is something that you have to remember. Kids with executive dysfunction or ADHD really are prompt dependent. They need others to prompt them and scaffold them because left to their own devices, they're going to get distracted or they're going to get pushed into their preferred task and everything else is going to fall to the wayside because of that issue with cause and effect thinking. So I worked with this family to 
help them upgrade the IEP towards having fading prompts. So all of the prompts and scaffolds that this student was receiving faded over time through success. And this was really, really difficult for the student because he was so reliant on these prompts and reliant on these accommodations. But over time, he was able to learn these strategies internally and it started to build his internal skills and build his competence and his overall confidence and his self-worth. It's something to always think about is when a kid is able to graduate from an IEP or not need so many accommodations or not need so much adult prompting, they're getting up on their own in the morning, they're studying on their own, they're reading on their own without their parents nagging them to do it. It really builds their self-worth and it builds their confidence. You know, teenagers really don't want their parents on their back. They don't want their parents to nag them. They want to be able to do these things on their own, own and not get distracted. So that was a huge moment for this particular student. I've worked with so many families where I had to really coach the parents into having screen time mindfulness and really decreasing screen time in the home and whether it's the phone or the computer or video games. And I share with them information on how to do that in their home. And parents are always very, very scared to start doing it because of behaviors. And a lot of times kids say really crazy things when their parents take their screens away. And I sort of coach them through it. And I got to tell you, 100% of the time, every single parent that sticks with it and gets past that one week or two week of behaviors of the, I hate you, mom, I hate you, dad, they end up seeing a brand new kid, a better kid. And I've worked with a few kids now that eventually say, hey, I don't need this Xbox anymore. I enjoy doing these other things. And they take their Xbox and they go and sell it back to GameStop. So working with the students there that, you know, they were spending hours a day on video games and now they're captain of the soccer team or they're doing the robotics club and they're applying independently to college and they have huge social groups now instead of online friends. Those are always huge. With executive functioning therapy, the overall goal is always to improve overall self-worth, self-confidence and quality of life. And that's really what brought me to speech pathology to begin with is I worked at a children's center where kids lived full-time on campus, went to school on campus. And I worked there while I was taking the prerequisite courses to the SLP grad program and while I was in grad school. And I observed SLPs there. And these kids were always stressed, always anxious, had tons of behaviors. But when they were with their SLPs, they were smiling, they were feeling good, they were learning how to use language, learning how to socialize. And there is a direct correlation between speech, language, and quality of life. And that's really what drew me to this career is having speech skills, language skills, social skills. They're basically life skills. And this is what allows you to live an independent and successful life. And when you have strong executive functioning, executive functioning is a greater predictor of success than IQ. It's individuals with strong executive functioning that go on to be successful. Not the kids with all the 4.0s and the great grades. It's the kids that have resilience and grit and perseverance and flexibility, and they're able to regulate and they're able to bounce back from tough experiences and learn from failure and learn from past experiences. So if you're able to improve someone's executive functioning while they're young, while they're below 25 years old, you could do it throughout the lifespan. You really help set them up for long-term success. I love that. Love that how you said just being an outsider looking in and looking at the students with that SLP. I love it. I think this is a great place to let everyone know where can they learn more about you and everything you have to offer. 
Sure. So my website is grownowtherapy.com and my Instagram is also grownowtherapy, one word, grownowtherapy. On Facebook, I have a really fun interactive group. It's called ADHD and Executive Functioning for Speech and Language Pathologists. So I'm always going to be a huge advocate for our field. I love meeting other SLPs. I love chatting with them about their lives and what they do. We have such an amazing field and people in our field. And I would love for SLPs to truly become the leader on the treatment team for executive functioning. I truly believe that that's inevitable. It's going to happen. The more research being done on the frontal lobe on executive functioning, it's all language, 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 executive functioning and language, language and executive functioning. It's all there. And in that group, I share a lot of information about the ADHD language connection, some webinars, some trainings, and it's very interactive. People ask a lot of questions. So definitely join that group. Follow me on Instagram. I'm probably most active there. And definitely check out Carrie Ebert and Mai's uh, chapter chats on Mondays at 8 p.m. I love it. That's awesome. We're going to put all these links in the show notes to not to worry. And if everyone listening, if you're loving everything on this topic, make sure you are signed up for our upcoming speech retreat on November 13th. Go to speechretreat.com because you can learn more and more on this topic from Michael. So thank you so much for joining me here on the SLP Coffee Talk. I always end my episodes with a joke. Do you have a favorite joke by any chance? Oof, that's a good one. Oh, man. If not, I have a joke ready to go, but I wanted to see if you had anyone that like on the top of your head that you can think of. Oh, my goodness. That's okay. That's I got one. Okay, I got you can good, go. I got a good one for you. What only starts to work after it is fired? Ooh, what starts to work after it's fired? A match? Close. A rocket. A rocket. Same thing, kind of. Same thing. You can get fire, you know. Yeah. There you go. But, okay. But the, but the match isn't really doing, I mean, I guess the fire started, I guess. Yeah. 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 It's working. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was right. But thank you so much. And everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. I hope it was the jolt of inspiration you needed to get started in your day or wherever in your day or week you are right now. Until next week, stay out of trouble. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. It means the world to me that you're tuning in each and every week and getting the jolt of inspiration you need. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at my website, speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys. <laughs>